Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey everybody, good morning. How are you today? Yeah, you feeling okay? All right, you made it. You made it. And if you're watching this online at another time, or maybe you're listening to our podcast, this is the, this is the 9 a.m. service. So congratulations to all of you who like got up, you did the thing on a, on a day when it's supposed to be sunny, and you made it. It's always uh, you know, a, a minor miracle when people show up at a church on, in Santa Cruz on a Sunday morning, right? There's so many other things you could be doing. But here we are, here we are, and uh, we're stoked that you made the decision to be here today. Um, We don't just do this because we want to check a box, right? We don't just do this because we are religious people. Um, When we gather together like this, we believe that with God's help, we are pushing back the darkness in our lives. That for an hour or so of our time, we come together and, and, and we focus on what is true and what is right and what is just and what we can anchor ourselves onto, right? And that's what we do. That's what we do. And so that's why when we gather, it's full of hope and it's full of joy. But it's also full of acknowledging where we are in this life, which is, which is what we're going to do a little bit of today. And so my name is Tim, if we haven't met yet, and I'm part of the team here at Hope, and it's my, my joy today, my pleasure to open up the Bible with you. This is the time of, the, of our gathering when we do that. And so let me ask you this. How many of you love roller coasters? Yeah, I hear some oh yeah, some enthusiastic, like, you know, hands. How many of you, like, just the mention of the words roller coaster, you just threw up a little bit in your mouth? Yeah, anybody? Yeah, yeah. We're some honest people. Yeah. Um, some of you are like that. So, so here's the thing. I can do the, the, uh, the bigger, the better, right? Like, like, give me the gigantic ones. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. The small ones, though, especially those that spin around, forget about it. Like, I'm not doing it. Like, I will. Just the thought of it makes me nauseous. And uh, you know, you know that that ride, like literally straight from the pit of hell, where you stand. It's a circle, and you stand with your back against a thing, and it spins so fast the floor drops. You know, <laughs> how many of you like that ride? I want to know who to avoid in this room. Okay, all right, all right. I know who you are now. Awesome, awesome. Okay, I will pray for you. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah, the bigger the better. Now, here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Every time I get on a roller coaster, right, I make the decision, I'm going to do it. I get on the thing and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting, right, for the, the, you know, the things come, you know, the harness has come down. I'm in the seat and I'm waiting. I begin to question all of my life choices. Like everything that's brought me up to this point, like what, why, why did I decide to do this? Oh, and I start to get nervous and I start to go, oh no. And I'm, and I'm thinking of all the scenarios, you know, and I'm kind of going through all the things. And then, you know, and then we take off. Now, uh, one time we rode a roller coaster in Orlando and uh, we didn't know 
that instead of it taking you up a hill, right? Like click, 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 right? Like up the hill. And then you like you have time to prepare yourself, right? You're going up the hill and you can see the, the beginning of the car, the thing going over and you're getting ready. You're getting ready. Like, you're, all right, here we go. Here we go. And then when it's your turn, you go over the thing and then you're like, you're fully into it. This one is the Incredible Hulk ride at Universal Studios. And it takes you from like zero to like Mach 47 in like two seconds. And so we're getting ready. Nicole and I are getting ready. We're just like, all right, whew, all right, here it comes, here it comes. And uh, we, we can tell it's about ready to get started. And then, and then all of a sudden, just like it just shoots you out of the thing. Nicole blacked out. She came to eventually. And we're just like, what just happened? And, and what happens when you get off of those rides? What do, what do you do? Let's go, let's go again, you know? And if the lines are short, you're like, yeah, the lines, come on, let's go again. You know, what is it about us that, that we, will, we will make these questionable life decisions like this, um, and, and yet we keep going back to them? Now, when it's a roller coaster, it's one thing, right? It's, it's fun. Um, but in life, it's not so much fun to keep going back into places where we're questioning our life choices because they're not good choices, right? We keep going, we keep sort of like falling back into things. We, 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 we know that this is not good and healthy and that's right, but we're, but, but we're just drawn to it and we just keep going back into that thing and doing that thing. Today, we're going to look at another conversation that Jesus had with his followers after the resurrection. Um, next Sunday is our last Sunday in this series, and we are looking at these conversations. What happens after the resurrection? And in today's conversation, we're going to explore part of the heart of God. Part of the heart of God that even though we're in process, even though we don't do the right things all the time, there is a pathway forward for us that ends with us more often than not experiencing the victory of God in our lives. And today's conversation is going to focus on a guy named Thomas. Now, if you've been around the church um, for a while, maybe you're new to this thing. Maybe you're, you're here for the first time, never been in a church, never opened the Bible. There's a guy named Thomas. He was one of the original 12. Uh, OG 12. He's, he, later on, he'd become one of the, one of the apostles, like the, chosen, like, like the chosen ones that were, that were uh, given the task of taking the love of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth, right? Thomas was one of those guys. Unfortunately, he is most well known for a season in his life where he was simply just trying to process stuff, right? And, and so if, you, if you've never been around church, you, 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 you'll be, maybe you'll be surprised to hear this. So what is, what is Thomas's name? He is called Doubting Thomas, like we didn't know, but you didn't, the people didn't even hesitate. His, his name, he's known as Doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas is much more than his doubts, right? But we know him, all, like all Christians throughout the centuries know him as Doubting Thomas. It's a little bit unfair, right? I mean, if, if we were to take one of your most challenging seasons and call you that adjective, 
what, what would it be? Like, what would your adjective be? You know, like, yeah, yeah, it, it wouldn't be good, right? It wouldn't be good. Imagine your most challenging season in life and throughout all of history uh, for the most well-known story in the history of human events, you and your legacy is an adjective describing your, your most challenging season. Yikes. Today, we're going to look at a bigger picture of Thomas. And in the process, Jesus is going to teach us a very, very important truth. You guys ready? You guys ready to jump in? All right. So we're going to start. There are three times that Thomas speaks in the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at all three of these. The last one is going to be the conversation with Jesus that is the focus of our time together here. But it's important to understand who Thomas is as we enter into that last conversation. So let me introduce you to Thomas the Apostle. We're going to start in John 11. And here's the story. It goes like this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. So there were two sisters and a brother, and they were good friends with Jesus. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, let's go back to Judea. Now, they had just been in Judea. And they had just been run out of Judea. In fact, um, the religious leaders had stirred up trouble and were trying to kill Jesus in Judea, right? So Jesus turns to his disciples and says, let's go back. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? After he had said this, he went on to tell them, okay, well, here's the deal. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there to wake him up. Now, his disciples didn't know what Jesus was talking about. So they replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Like, he'll get up on his own. We don't need to go be an alarm clock for this guy. Jesus, though, had been speaking of his death. Lazarus had died. That's the sleep Jesus was talking about. But his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. So let's go right now. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This is Thomas. Thomas is more than just a doubter, right? This is the, we're going to call this the all-in Thomas. This is the guy that looked at the other disciples and said, you know what? We're in this thing. Like, we've already given ourselves over to this thing. We're following this guy around. We've left our families. We're, we're doing this ministry here. You know what? Let's go with him. And if he dies, let's just die with him. Right? Like, this is all in Thomas. And in this scenario, he was the only one to vocalize it. He was the only one to step up and verbalize, let's go, even if we die. How many of you are, are verbal processors? Like, you like to talk it out. Yeah, yeah, you like to talk it out. 
Now, the, the tough part is if you're that person and you're married to someone who is not a verbal processor, they like to internalize things first and then have a healthy conversation, right? Are you married? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody like that? It is tough. Early on in our marriage, Nicole and I had the hardest time. Oh, my goodness. We had the hardest time. We fought so much because we couldn't, we couldn't navigate that. We couldn't navigate that. You know, for, for Nicole, she wanted, to, she wanted to talk things out. Let's have a conversation about this, and let's, let's find our way through, you know? For me, I was like, listen, I, I'm a talker. You know, if you've been here, I'd hope you know that, like, I'm a, I, I'm a talker. But in those moments where there's tension and conflict, I like to be able to step back, gather myself, and not think that I would regret later, right? Like, like, in the heat of the moment, I do best when I can step back, process, gather, and then speak, right? We had the heart, we, but we didn't know. What did we know? We were, we were young and we had no idea and nobody was talking to us about these things. And so we, we fought constantly about how we fought. Like that's, that's how it went for us. And we were like, why? This is, you know, we are so incompatible, you know, and like we're good on this road. And we had to learn, right? We had to learn how to, how to, how to walk this out together, give each other just enough space where you could speak some things into a moment, but also give the other person a little bit of space. And right, we, had to re- we had to learn how to do that. Thomas is an external verbal processor. If you're wired that way today, you are Thomas. And the only reason why Thomas is called Doubting Thomas is because he was the one who chose to speak up in a moment where most others would not. This is Thomas. So that's all in Thomas, all right? Here's the next side of Thomas. John 14, Jesus is teaching, and he says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, so also believe in me. My Father's house, he's speaking now of heaven, has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Speaking of heaven. Thomas says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? So Thomas doesn't understand, but he's willing to speak up and say, Jesus, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Like, I don't understand this at all. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. And so from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. It was Thomas's comment to Jesus and the other followers who were with them that prompted Jesus to give us one of the greatest truths he ever spoke. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This was because of Thomas's comment. This is the, I need a road map, Thomas. Right? 
I need a roadmap, Thomas. This is Thomas saying, Jesus, I just need to know more. I just need to understand more. I, I, I want to know more. I want more of you. I want more understanding. I want to, in fact, this is Thomas saying, I want to go where you're going. Right? Does this sound like a doubter to you? The guy that's like, hey, listen, if you're going to go to Judea and die, we'll go with you. Or you're saying you're going to go somewhere else, and where, where, I don't know, wherever, whatever you're talking about here, Jesus, I don't understand it, but I want to go where you're going, so take me there, show me the way, right? Like, this is Thomas. This is Thomas. So we have the all-in Thomas, the I need a road map Thomas. Now watch this. Now we get, finally, to the conversation with Jesus after the resurrection, John 20 says this, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples, now we don't know. We don't know why Thomas was not there. But he wasn't. And we're not going to judge that situation. He could have been off doing something entirely good, you know, just, just something different. At this point in the game, the disciples weren't really sure what was happening. You know, so they were trying to figure out what do I do next? Um, you know, all the things, all the things. There was lots and lots of uncertainty around them. So the other disciples said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And this word believe means to be persuaded. I will not be persuaded until I actually put my hands on the thing, until I see the thing, until I experience the thing. How many of you are oriented that way? In your life, you do better when you're able to experience things. Thomas was just wired this way. There's no big sin that was happening here. Um, you know, we like to call him doubting Thomas as a negative. But, but doubting is not a negative. Doubting is simply part of the process. You know, you, you didn't just... Uh, hear the name Jesus uh, one day and, and just immediately in your heart and in your spirit say, I believe it all. Let's go. You know, that wasn't, that, that's not the experience for us. There's a process, right? We hear and then we, we think and we reason and we, we, we take it in and we, we process it. And for some of us, we doubt it. And we're in conversation with other people and they help us and they, 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 they help us overcome doubts. They help us understand things, right? We come into places like this and we hear explanations of what the Bible has to say, right? And all of a sudden our understanding grows and our wisdom grows and our, our, our ability to grab a hold of the things of the faith grow. Doubt is a pathway to growth. And if you've ever been in a place of doubting or you're around people who are doubting, that's a great place to be, right? Because you have, on the one side, you have people who have already sort of worked through some doubts. And they're, they're in this place of faith, right? Like, I believe. On this side over here, you have people who say, I don't believe, I'll never believe, 
I don't want to understand. I don't want, they're running as far and as fast as they can away from the life of faith, right, in Jesus. And then you have the people in the middle who are working through their doubts. That's a great place to be. The church should be the place where people with doubts come and find a home. You know why? Because all throughout our lives, we're going to be working through the things of the faith. You and I in this life will never fully understand everything about the life of following Jesus. And so if we're disqualified or if we're somehow discounted or we're uh, disregarded because we have areas in our lives where, where, where we don't yet fully understand, then none of us are going to make it, right? This is the place. I can tell you as a pastor, and I've been in full-time, so I prayed a prayer to receive Christ when I was five years old, right? When I was in high school, really, my faith became my own. It's, it's, it's where, you know, as a five-year-old, I didn't have a really great understanding of the sin that separated me from God, right? I, I, but I knew I wanted Jesus, and so that was sort of the start of my journey toward Jesus. As a high schooler, I really came to faith. I, I, I fully understood, and it was just the full understanding of it. I was called into ministry and for all of my adult life, I've served in ministry. And there are still things to this day that as I come across them, I think to myself, oh, crap. If somebody were to ask me, tell me more about that. I'd be like, huh, you know, sure. Let, I, let me get back to you on that. And I know where to go study, right? I know where to go and find out the answers. Um, <clears throat> There are things even at this stage in my life, some, you know, over 40 years of professing Jesus as my Savior, that I'm still learning and growing and becoming, right? And there are moments, I don't just take it all blindly. There are moments in that process where I have to work it out, God. Do I believe this particular thing? that I'm exploring right now, and I have to come to a place of faith. This is all that Thomas was doing. So the good news is, if you're in a place where you are wrestling through things, if you're in a place where you're doubting, you're here. You're engaging the conversation around those doubts. That's a great place to be. That's exactly where you need to be. And honestly, it's exactly where God created you to be. Thomas is simply acting out how God created. God created him to think and to verbally process and to work through things. Thomas is simply living that out, right? This you could describe as the doubting Thomas. I might call it the disillusioned Thomas, right? He's just not sure. He's just working it out. He just doesn't fully understand. A week later, the scripture says, his disciples were, with, were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. This is a key part of Thomas's journey. And you're going to see this as we talk about the last description of Thomas. This is a key part of his story. Watch this. Let me, let me read this again. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. They were together, and Thomas was with them. Listen, in your doubts, 
in your process, in whatever it is that's happening in your life, stay with us. Don't walk away. Don't feel like I'm questioning, you know, I've had a tough experience in my life, and, and truth be told, I'm questioning the existence of God. Uh, so I'm not going to really kind of go, I'm not going to, I'm going to distance myself over here because I'm not, I don't want people to know that I'm questioning God in this way. That's a lie of the enemy. It's to distance yourself. It's exactly what the enemy, listen, the Bible says that, the, that, that our enemy is like a lion roaming around seeking whoever he can devour. Do you know how a lion devours things the best? He separates them from the pack, isolates them, and at that point, it's a done deal. You are more than likely not getting away from that situation. Death is imminent for you. In our doubt, in our process, in every season of our lives, we're meant to be doing this together. Bring your doubts. You know, every single Sunday, we have a connect tent right outside, and then we have a prayer tent right next to that. Do you know that any given Sunday, you can walk up into that, find the, the people who it's obvious, find the people who are, who are sort of representing us uh, that particular Sunday and say, hey, is there, is it, can I have a conversation with somebody? I, I, would, I would love to talk with somebody about just some things I'm processing right now. And we would love to sit with you out on the, out on the patio and have a conversation. Like you should be able to bring those things to this place. This, this is what the church is all about. And so watch this. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then John, the author, just keeps going. Like, he doesn't ever acknowledge that Jesus just showed up in the room. Like, like just magically, just like, there was Jesus. Like, he didn't come in through the door. He, didn't, he just showed up. Boop, there he is. And everybody's acting like this is normal. I don't understand. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. They lost their sense of awe. I don't know. I don't know. Jesus says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, I love this. I love this. He acknowledges the group. He says, hey, you know, peace be with you was, you know, it was just like that, you know, that time's way of saying, you know, what's up? You know, hey, you know, good to see you guys. And then immediately he turns to Thomas. If you're in this place today, if you're watching online, if you're listening to our podcast and you're in a place where you've been maybe struggling just a bit or maybe struggling a lot. Maybe you have doubts about the faith, but maybe your, your faith in Jesus is solid, but you have doubts about other things and you're just walking them through, you know, Maybe you're in life, you know, situations and challenges. I know in our family, we, 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 have, we have just just one of the greatest challenges our little family has ever walked through. And, and, and we're having to come to a, a, a place once again where we say, God, can you do this? Can you break through in this? God, I feel secure in my healing 
but can you bring healing for someone that I have almost no control over anything when it comes to that person? God, can you do the impossible again? I've seen you do it in my life. I believe you'll do it in my life. But God, will you do it in this person's life? Right? Can you do it? Will you do it? God, when will you do it? Right? Like this, this is where Jesus is. He speaks directly to it and he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out, you ha- uh, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Now, stop doubting and believe. Today, God is reaching out to you wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your challenges are, and he's saying, I want you to trust me again. I want you to be reminded again of what I've done for you. I want to remind you that I'm still the God who heals. I want to remind you that I'm still the God that moves mountains. I want to remind you that the truth that nothing is impossible with God is still active. Right? I want to remind you that I'm bigger than whatever it is that you're facing. Now, here's the thing. We can acknowledge the truth of what I've just said without taking the very next step. And Jesus was very clear in this, Thomas. Look, I am who I said I am. I did what I said I will do. I am the risen, resurrected Savior. And at that point, he didn't just up and leave and go back to the Father. He looked at Thomas and he said this, Stop doubting and believe. So it's okay to doubt. It's okay to bring your struggles and your your conversations with God and all of these things to him. But at some point, as Jesus reveals himself to you, he's asking you to stop doubting and believe. You have to put down the doubts at some point. Some of you are very much in process here today, and just the fact you being here is where you need to be. Some of you have been bringing your doubts to God for a while now, and God would tell you this. It's time. It's time to put down those doubts and trust me. Believe in me. What do you need to put down today? What doubt, what challenge, what fear, what addiction, what? What do you need to put down? These words of Jesus, this is not just a story in the Bible. The Bible is alive, it's living, it's active, and it's like a two-edged sword. And if you'll allow it, it'll cut you to your soul. And right now, God wants to cut you to your soul and cut out the doubts and replace it with faith. So if you had to hold out in your hand physically doubt, fear, challenge, whatever, what would be in your hand right now? Think about it. What would be in your hand 
I know what would be in my hand, and I know who would be in my hand that I would be presenting to God right now. God, I've seen you do it in my life. I've seen you do it in other people's lives. And I need you to see you do it in this person's life. This is disillusioned Thomas. So we have all in Thomas. We have I need a roadmap Thomas. And we have disillusioned Thomas. Now those are the three times we hear Thomas speak in the Gospel of John. Now, I want to quickly introduce you to the fourth Thomas that we see from all of history. Watch this. This is the I found my real purpose, Thomas. Philippians 1 says this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God was working a process in Thomas. God understood Thomas's doubts. God understood what he needed. God understands it all just like he does for you. Now watch what happens over 40 years later. Thomas would be the guy that would geographically go the farthest to tell people about Jesus. Church history tells us that he went all the way to India, planting churches, telling people of the hope of Jesus, telling his story of how God met him right where he needed to be met and how God healed him and transformed how God did a miracle in his life, and he planted churches all across the world. They ended up in India, the farthest of any other apostle. The one who got to physically touch Jesus and have his doubts answered was the one who went the farthest to tell people about it. This is the, I found my real purpose, Thomas. And here's what Thomas and Jesus is teaching us here today. Here's our big idea of truth. Are you ready? Where you are is not who you are. I want you to sort of, I want you to marinate in this truth a little bit. If you can't remember this short little sentence, take a picture of it right now. Where you are, where you are is not who you are. You may be in a place where you're still finding your way to Jesus. That's not who you are. That's just where you are on the journey. You may be in a place where you have doubts or fears or challenges, places where you need to trust God again. That's not who you are. That's simply where you are in the journey. Who you are is a child of God, dearly loved who is welcomed with all of your doubts and fears and angers and challenges to come sit at the feet of the master and have him speak and touch every area of your life that needs healing. That's who you are. How you get there is just how you get there. It's just where you are on your journey right now. But it's not who you are. And I think this is where the lie of the enemy comes into us the most. He wants us to focus so intently on where we are that we forget who we are. Your challenge, your fear, your anger, your doubt, your questioning, your whatever, fill in the blank, 
does not define you. It's not the season of life that you're stuck in. It's the season of life that God wants to bring you through as he does a thing in you. And I think, I think for a lot of us, we come to the place where, where we're, we're just sort of stuck in the season that we're in. And like Jesus did with Thomas where he said, okay, Thomas, I'm showing you the answers to your doubts. Now I need you to stop doubting and believe. Part of the reason, the number one reason Jesus did that is because Thomas needed that intimacy with the Savior, right, personally. But part of the reason was there was an entire world of people who were dependent on Thomas stopping his doubt and believing and stepping out in faith. And because he did that, generations of people now know Jesus in that part of the world. So here's the reality for you and me. Number one, Jesus wants intimacy with you. And so he wants you to bring all this stuff to him. Today's your day to do that. But number two, there are people on the other side of your doubt who need you to work it out, see it through, eventually stop doubting, start believing, and start sharing your journey. I'm, I'm, I'm not, and, and some of you are like, you, maybe you've never even shared your faith with somebody else. I'm telling you right now, I can say this with certainty. There are specific people on the other side of your doubts who need you to share your story with them. They will come to Jesus because of your doubts and you're going to Jesus with them. And then eventually your decision to start believing in faith. Somebody did that for me. And somebody did that for you. And you will do that for somebody else. This is why everything that we're talking about, the enemy wants you to stay stuck in your season of doubting. Because if he can get you stuck, number one, you won't do much of anything, and you certainly won't help other people find Jesus like you would if you step through that doubt and start believing. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.